0: The views, opinions, and findings contained in this podcast are those of the host and subject matter experts. They should not be construed as official Department of Defense positions, policies, or decisions unless designated by other official documentation. Hi, welcome to Clinical Updates in Brain Injury Science Today, or CUBIST, a podcast for healthcare providers about current research on traumatic brain injury, also known as TBI. This program is produced by the TBI Center of Excellence, or TBI-COE. I'm your host today, Don Marion. Today I'll be speaking with Amanda Gano. Ms. Gano is a physician assistant at TBI-COE. Amanda and I will discuss a study entitled Development of a Blast Exposure Estimator from a DOD-wide survey study on military service members written by Lt. Claire M. Modica and colleagues, and published in the Journal of Neurotrauma in November of 2020. Hi, Amanda, and thanks for bringing this article to our attention today. Could you tell us a little bit about the study, please?
1: Hi, Don, Nice talking to you again. So I thought this study was really interesting because as you know, the topic of blast exposure and how blast can induce mild TBI symptoms has been a hot topic for several years now. And, you know, before we really dive into this study, I think it's important to give a little bit of background on some of the work that has been done in the blast exposure arena. So when I deployed to Afghanistan in 2011, the Army had just started issuing these new blast gauge sensors to certain service members. And I know back then it was really exciting because we hoped that it would help identify service members who'd been exposed to too much blast or who may have concussion symptoms as a result of blast exposure. So my understanding of that program is that there were a lot of inaccuracies with those gauges. And honestly, Don, the blast gauge sensors weren't really they weren't really correlating with service members who were experiencing concussion symptoms. So blast exposure that was high enough to trigger the sensor was causing concussion symptoms in some service members, but didn't really have any effect at all on others. So ultimately in 2016, the Pentagon made the decision to pull those blast sensors from use. And I've read some recent articles that the military is trying to improve that technology and bring those gauges back. But as of this time, I do not believe that these types of sensors are something that are regularly issued. So basically, there's still this unanswered question as to how much blast exposure is too much. And also, is there a cumulative effect on the brain? Does a high number of lifetime blast exposures correlate with poor outcomes or more concussion symptoms?
0: Very interesting, Amanda. Yeah, I I remember uh, the issues about the blast gauges. and So um, I know that in the sports world, Amanda, there have been studies that showed that cumulative head impacts in football players may correlate with poor long-term outcomes. these researchers looking to see if there's a similar correlation with long-term blast exposure.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what this article was attempting to answer. So the study I think that you're referring to was a 2017 study that was done with Dr. Ann McKee's group at the Boston University Alzheimer's and CTE Center. And if the listeners are interested, we can drop a link to that article in the description of this episode as well. Um, but that group developed a formula called the cumulative head impact index or CHII, and they attempted to estimate the number of subconcussive head impacts that a football player may have sustained over the course of his career. And they found that a higher CHII was associated with later life cognitive impairment and behavioral health complaints. So similarly, uh, Lieutenant Modica's team- sought to create a similar formula for estimating career blast exposure in military service members. And so they did so by using this generalized blast exposure value or GBEV formula.
0: That all makes sense, Amanda. So how was the study done?
1: Yeah. So this group created an anonymous online self-report survey that was designed to estimate lifetime blast exposure from weapons and also from explosives. So there was a survey link that was advertised to a Department of Defense personnel by a flyer to public affairs offices in email lists, in waiting rooms, online banners, and also via social media. The flyer indicated that the survey was for service members, and they were only asked to proceed with the survey if they were service members or service academy students. The survey included demographic questions and then, of course, blast exposure questions. The survey also used a modified version of the Neurobehavioral Symptom Inventory or NSI and a modified version of the Post Traumatic Stress Disorder Checklist 4 or PCL-4 to assess for health and behavior outcomes. So blast exposures were divided into five different categories. So they used small arms, large arms, which included those shoulder-fired recoilless rifles, artillery, which were described as large weapons carried by a vehicle, small explosives, so grenades and things like that, and then large explosives, so IEDs and breaching and things like that. Service members were asked to quantify their exposures in each category to include the years of exposure over a lifetime, months per year, days per month how many rounds or explosions, and the frequency of back-to-back days of exposure. So from there, the group created this mathematical formula to estimate a BEC, or blast exposure count. And once a BEC was calculated, they did a linear regression analysis to develop the GBEV. So, Don, I know you and I have shared similar experiences with graduate-level statistics classes, and it's safe to say that neither one of us is even close to a biostatistician. Is that fair?
0: Yeah, I would, I would say that's quite fair, Amanda. Um, I uh, have this uh, problem with uh, biostatistics oftentimes. Uh, You and I have commiserated on this in the past, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that being said, I'm not going to get into the complexities of how they calculated the GBEV because it's a pretty in-depth statistical formula. But as always, the full text article is available in the description of this episode for those who wish to get into the weeds on that. But the team used the calculated GBEV and then compared it to the health outcomes using the NSI and the PCL4. So
0: so basically, I guess, Amanda, it would be fair to say that the formula that they arrived at uh, accounted for the cumulative number of exposures that the service member thought they had over time. Is, is that fair?
1: Yes, I think they did a good job capturing yeah. that.
0: So what exactly did they find?
1: So in the end, the group had 984 participants. Of that group, 88.3% were male and the average age was 36.6 years. So out of all the participants, uh, 98.9% had small arms exposure, 48.7% had large arms exposure, 45% 45% had artillery, 67.2% had small explosives, and 64.8% had large explosives exposures. The GBEV was predictably higher in those that had heavy arms exposures, and it would be expected for GBEV to increase with age, so therefore years of exposure. So, the team estimated that a typical service member can expect to experience a GBEV of 200,000 in their 30s, a GBEV of 400,000 in their 50s, and a GBEV of a million in their late 50s, early 60s. So then the group compared the NSI and PCL-4 scores in participants with a GBEV of less than 200,000 who were categorized as low exposure. So there were 561 of those participants. Medium exposure, so there were 99 of those participants. And then a high exposure, so those with a GBEV of greater than 400,000, and there were 324 of those participants. So using the NSI, they found that the high exposure group had significantly more symptoms than the medium exposure group, and the medium exposure group had significantly more symptoms than the low exposure group. Generalized linear models were used to further explain the relationship between the GBEV and symptoms, and those models found that GBEV was the strongest predictor of explained variance followed by age of the service member.
0: All right. Just so I understand this. So, Amanda, basically, they um, were able to categorize people into at least these three different categories based on the GBEV and and predict who was likely to have more severe or prolonged symptoms and and who wasn't based on the GBEV score. Is that fair? That's correct, Don. All right. so, So what were the limitations of the study, Amanda?
1: Sure. So there were a few. Um one of the biggest ones was that this was a self-report online survey. So there isn't really a precise way to really understand quantitatively the number of exposures that a service member may have. And interestingly, the article points out that the way that the GBEV is calculated makes exaggerated responses additionally magnified. So I found that to be really interesting because I've actually done These types of blast exposure interviews with patients at the TBI clinic at Walter Reed. And I can tell you that many, many patients will highly exaggerate their exposures, especially when they are first prompted to think about their number of exposures in a cumulative way. So for example, Don, I'd ask a patient, okay, how many Carl Gustavs have you fired in your career? And I'd get answers like, well, I don't know, a bunch. And then I'd have to go ahead and prompt them to really answer in a way that was quantifiable. And then we'd get to things that a lot of service members are exposed to, like grenades. You know, the service members do training with those types of exposures. And I'd say, how many grenades have you been exposed to? And they would say a million. And I know that they're clearly exaggerating there. So, I mean, I thought that that was an interesting limitation. And I wonder if there is a better way to control for that, particularly with an online survey where service members are just um, sort of on their own without any sort of direction from an interviewer. Additionally, the group had some trouble with the online survey platform that they were using. So halfway through the study, they were forced to change platforms, and that may have skewed the data, though not sure if that was really a significant limitation.
0: Okay. So Amanda, what are the key takeaways? And and specifically, um, do you think as a provider that we should be calculating a GBEV for all of our active duty service members and veterans to better understand their risk for post-concussion symptoms?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. So I think that this was a really interesting study, and the authors proposed this model to calculate estimated blast exposure for military service, and I think that's really important. But I'm really not sure that we should be calculating a GBEV for every service member. I think that it's a pretty complicated calculation and certainly not something that should be the burden of the primary care provider or the clinician, but perhaps It could be something that we could look into documenting as part of maybe like a VA physical exam or retirement physical and could be an indicator for providers that maybe additional testing is needed. You know, I think that there could be more to come and there's certainly a lot more to learn about the effects of cumulative blast exposure and concussion symptoms in our military service members. And it's a good aspect of the patient history to take, especially with those blast exposed service members. So I'm interested in this, and I really think that there could be more to come, and I'm interested in some of the new blast gauge technology that may come out, and I hope to keep abreast of the new literature on this in the future.
0: All right. Well, thanks, Amanda. Uh, So that's all we have time for today. You can stay up to date on future episodes by subscribing to Cubist on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts, where you can also find links to the articles we discuss and other relevant resources. Cubist is produced and edited by Vinnie White and was hosted today by me, Don Marion. It is a product of the TBI COE led by Division Chief Captain Scott Pine, Medical Corps, United States Navy. Thank you for listening to this episode.